1: Another injury-riddled night for the Toronto Raptors and another injury-riddled loss to the Cleveland Cavaliers. On today's show, we will dig into what actually matters from this past week of basketball. It's seen the Raptors go 2-5 and five since the All-Star break without Fred VanVleet no and OG Ananobi. Let's we'll talk about Nick Nurse and does he take some blame for the lack of depth coming off the Raptors bench plus we got the due to the game to hand out and a whole bunch more all coming up on today's episode of Locked on Raptors with Vivek Jacob from raptors.com Thanks for being here. Oh because when I shot I expected to make it so like I don't shoot kind of miss. So.
2: You are locked on Raptors part of the locked on podcast network your team every day.
1: Welcome to episode number 1132 of Locked On Raptors for Monday, March the 7th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter as always, at WoodleySean. You can find the show at Locked On Raptors. And of course, you can find the podcast free and available on all your favorite podcast platforms in audio form. Please go follow, subscribe, rate, review, et cetera. Plus, you can go to YouTube and hit the big red subscribe button and join the nearly 1,700 satisfied customers who have done the same for Locked On Raptors. So please go and do that. And as always, a big thank you for making us your first listen of the day. All right. On today's show... The Raptors lost again, folks. They lost without Fred Van Vliet and OG Ananobi and also Malachi Flynn in Cleveland on Sunday. A game that had a lot of implications for the standings and the result of which now kind of leaves the Raptors looking pretty comfortably as the projected seventh seed in the Eastern Conference. We'll dig into that. Uh, plus, it really, really exposed how weak this bench really can be. Uh, here to talk about all of that, to handle the due to the game and more, is our pal effect, Jacob from raptors.com. Big V. How you doing, pal?
2: I'm doing all right. Raptors, uh, could be doing a whole lot better, but I think,
1: <laughs>
2: I, I think it was always going to be a tough stretch coming out of the break, playing six games in eight nights. And you yeah. have Fred Van Vliet out, and obviously we know the OG Ananobi, uh, situation. So it doesn't help that Gary Trent Jr. is going through what he's going through, but no. Yeah. You just, uh, hope that for once you might be able to take nick nurse's word when it comes to an injury and when he says he's hopeful that fred van can be back uh for the game uh coming up on wednesday against the spurs you hope that to mm-hmm. be true but hey fred might miss you know another week or so and that wouldn't surprise me either
1: Oh, yeah. What are we holding in now? Almost on one week until the uh, two-week deadline for OG Ananobi, holding with bated breath to see if that actually holds up. We never know with this team and yeah. when injuries are going to resolve themselves. You don't know when Malachi Flynn's going to be back. He's got the strained hamstring. That was a big bummer on Sunday, Big V. got to say, going into this one, it really kind of left the Raptors without much in the way of juice going into a game against a team that is really good defensively. You need some juice against. So let's dive into it, man. Uh, Again, I I think the caveat here before we get into our big takeaways is that there aren't really that many big takeaways to be pulled from the last, what is it, seven games since the All-Star break. They're 2-5 and since then. They haven't had Fred Van Vliet available for five of them. They haven't had OG for any of them. It's just it's not the team that is intended to be on the floor. And, yes, every team deals with injuries but this Raptors team, I think, is specifically, like, very, very much prone to getting sort of thrown by, thrown for a loop by injuries. Because they exist in a very delicate balance, because they don't have a lot of shooting on the roster, it just, like, amplifies itself when you lose one shooter, then two shooters, then three shooters. Like, you get the freaking count just counting up injuries on the team and laughing, and there's just nothing you can do about it. So Vivek, what are your big takeaways from last night's game against the Cavs, man? Is there anything to be gleaned from it?
2: Uh, No, not really. I mean, I guess I would say that if you're looking at it as a potential uh, playoff matchup, which even now seems unlikely, uh, you would say that, you know, their size is just a major, major issue to the point where it maybe even negates the uh, experience advantage that the Raptors have. that's again uh you know with a healthy jared allen we don't know what his status is going to be obviously shams charania put out the uh report for the athletic that he uh, fractured his finger Uh, and so we're gonna have to see what the timeline is on that Uh, changes things if he's not in the picture but obviously the size is a huge issue for the raptors to contend with uh and then the dribble penetration of darius garland and you know maybe uh one of the overarching themes of the season that carries over into this one is it's one thing to be theoretically switchable where you have all these six eight six nine guys who can theoretically defend multiple positions, but if they mm-hmm. can't stay in front on the perimeter, they're really not that switchable then, right? Right. I mean, right. We've seen uh multiple defenders, whether it's Scotty Barnes or uh Chris Boucher to an extent even Pascal Siakam uh, got blown by a few times um, and so when all those guys are getting blown by you're not that switchable
1: yeah and I think I'd probably like counter back a little bit and say that when they have OG and Fred available it becomes a lot easier to kind of gear the matchups the way you want and, and I mean they have had success with these sort of tricky slick guards this season with OG kind of being their ace in the hole there, right? You think back to the crunch time of that Hawks game where OG was just thrown on Trey Young and was like, all right, it's time for me to swallow you up and end your world. And they just don't have that right now with OG unavailable. And obviously Fred's point of attack defense was not there out of the gate from the All-Star break, uh, you know, over those two games against the Hornets and the Hawks because he's not 100% healthy. And you would hope that maybe he gets that, you know, on-ball defense back to where it's supposed to be Whatever he does get back in the lineup. But yeah, right now... They're struggling. That said, you know, you mentioned that you want to, you know. The, like this. Yeah, matchup. to be clear, I was talking about yeah. without
2: those two guys.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, fair enough. Yeah, and, and yeah, you go last night with the full 6-9 lineup, which I think I disagreed with, honestly. Like, at least the, the iteration of it, I would have preferred to see Precious Achua in there, maybe Thad Young. Thad Young's a weird one because he played poorly last night, really poorly. He was 0-4, uh, didn't really do a whole lot, had four boards. But he feels to me kind of like a supercharged version of last year's DeAndre Bembry, where Bembry looked really good against like what playing alongside good players and looked awful playing alongside bad players because he's like a connector for good players. That that's really what the role for that is. So I would have liked to have seen him start, I guess. But either way, they were always going to be overmatched against this Cavs team without the players that they were missing. That said, they hung in pretty well, and as much as people were like lamenting the third quarter, as they really, I think it was like the six forty eight mark was the last bucket they scored in the third quarter. You look up, and they had and cut it to they one. St- yeah, and they still won the quarter. Like they gave up fourteen points over the quarter. The Cavs, to me, like of all these teams in the Eastern Conference, like I, I still maintain that the Raptors and Cavs are a lot closer than their records have shown all this season. Like the Cavs have their issues. They're not a terribly efficient offensive team, despite what Garland does. They're so reliant on Garland, and he's gotten to the point where they're like the 19th best offense in the league, which is amazing. But without him, they don't really have a whole lot else in the way of initiation. As great as Evan Mobley is defensively, he's still not like the ISO scorer that you you kind of want as like a secondary option. And so it's just... I think these two teams are very closely matched right now, and if they were fully healthy, this would be a kick-ass game, a kick-ass play-in game. If it was a 7-8, it would be incredible to watch as a series, or March 24th they play again. Maybe they'll be healthy for that one. That would be swell because I just want to see these two teams at full health go head-to-head because I do think there's a lot of really interesting matchup stuff going on here. As much as the Cavs present problems to the Raptors, I think the Raptors also present a lot of problems to the Cavs as well with their size, sort of at the non-traditional positions. Where obviously the Cavs are loaded up with the regular spots, they are enormous, <laughs> you know, enormous and huge. But yeah, it's a it's a bummer because I, I just want to see these two teams go head-to-head in like an actual sort of meaningful game because none of the games they've played so far this season have had any of that. Yes, like in early November they played a game, but Pascal wasn't back for that one just yet. And, you know, it, it was a fun one. It came down to the wire, but it still wasn't these complete versions of these teams. Obviously, Boxing Day, you had the uh, four <laughs> replacement players and four deep bench guys with Utah Atanabe going off for 26-13 and 13 or whatever the hell it was. That game meant nothing, and I felt like last night's, last, last night's game meant nothing as well, which is a huge bummer. That said, you know, on the point of it meaning nothing, it still feels like there's like a a tide of angsty Raptors fans kind of surging right now as a result of this three-game skid. And I'm not just talking like freaks on Twitter with eggs, right? Like people who I respect and like and appreciate and follow getting a little bit alarmist, I think, about where this team sits. They're 34-30. and 30. They're still well ahead of where we thought they would be. I think success for this season has, in many ways, already been achieved. Yet I I see a lot of like tanking thirst and like, oh man, this team is broken. There's just not like the the the, the roster building thing has failed. Like way too early to make any of those declarations. You can have your your thoughts and things like that. But as as far as far as like tanking, it's literally impossible for them to do that now. They're thirty four and thirty. They're like six wins ahead of the Wizards right now who are in 11th place. The Wizards might not have six wins in them for the rest of the season, right? Like, it's just, it's not doable. And yeah, you can tank out and lose in the plane and still have a lottery shot to move up. Guess what? What happened last year where you jumped up from seventh to fourth does not happen every year, especially when you have the 14th or 13th best odds. It's just not happening. So... I don't know, man. I I feel like the overarching sort of feeling about the team is way down on where it should be considering the reasons, the very explainable reasons why things have gone awry here in the last week or so. I don't know. How are you feeling? Like, are you feeling the doom and gloom and despair that it seems like a wide sector of the fan base is kind of feeling right now?
2: No, to be honest with you, I actually feel the opposite because to me, when they look at, Fred van vliet and say okay let's try and get this guy as close as possible to full health when they look at yeah. ogian and Adobe and say let's get this guy as close to full health as possible to me they're thinking of the play in and, and the playoffs i think they feel fairly comfortable about where they are right now um mm-hmm. obviously they'd like to move up the standings but i think you know they are thinking a bit long term and Uh, Or I guess you know, just thinking about the postseason uh, and saying we need those two guys healthy because we're not going to do any winning without them. So yeah, I I think that's what's uh, foremost for them, and I think last year was just a situation that presented itself. And yeah, uh, Masai Ujiri has already said that. I think there's a lot of value to be uh, gained from going into this postseason, uh, hopefully winning. Uh, the play in coming out of that and getting a playoff series for guys like Scotty Barnes and, uh, uh, frankly, even for Pascal and Fred, uh, there's yeah. a lot of value for them to go into the postseason and face, uh, you, you know, the schemes uh, that will be geared to them. Right? It yeah. it, it it never would have been, uh, you know, focused on them as much as it would be in this postseason, and so. I think there's valuable lessons to be learned uh, in terms of growing and fast tracking that development for the highest level. So for me, I'm uh, concerned that uh, as to whether or not they'll make the playoffs because I think the play-in situation, you know, can go either way, but I have no doubt in my mind that that is what they're trying to do.
1: Yeah. As they should. I I think to your point, you know, We've talked about this season as a fact-finding season, right? To figure out, all right, what works, what doesn't, and what is the sort of future composition of the team going to be. And if you go into this summer without the benefit of high-leverage playoff games to actually draw conclusions from about what Pascal can do against defenses that are geared towards him and what Fred can do as a number one as opposed to versus a number two or a number three or whatever – you're going into the offseason with an incomplete evaluation. You don't have enough facts on hand to actually make proper decisions. And so I fully think they're in push for the play-in mode. I think it's preserve Fred and OG for those games when they really matter mode. They have a bit of a cushion over the Nets who keep on losing games. They seem like they're going to be pretty comfortably in that seven. And there's still an outside shot at number six, right? The Cavs have not played terribly well lately. They've got Jarrett Allen going down. There's one more Raptors-Cavs game to go, even with the Cavs already having the tiebreaker. So I don't think six is by any means out of the question. It's a long shot at this point, just statistically speaking, with three games to make up with 18 to go. But it's not like it's completely clinched or done or whatever. So And them having the tiebreaker. Yeah, yeah. So it's – look – uh, the, the the doom and gloom is insane <laughs> frankly like it's fine they're, they're going not to be all on brand and anything but like if ever it was fine it's now after a stretch of games where they're looking kind of rough in a season where they've looked more often than not really exciting and tantalizing and the roughness has come exactly coincided with injuries to very very important players We've gone too long in the first segment. We're going to continue on here. We're going to dig into the bench in just one second. And whether there is some blame to be placed at the feet of Nick Nurse for the lack of options off the bench, we will get to that in one second here. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at Built Bar who are making the best tasting protein bars money can buy. You got to check out Built Bar, man. I am someone who has a sweet tooth and a salt tooth and a snack tooth. And I often find myself around midnight being like, hmm, what am I going to snack on? I, I, I just like I'm a little monster. I'm a goblin. Well, guess what? Instead of being a goblin, I am gobbling those built Bars, baby, because they are a great alternative to the sweet and salty snacks I like to typically indulge in late at night, and they are good for me, instead of being uh, not at all good for me, with loaded with crap that I don't need in my body. Most Bilt Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 grams of net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to your typical candy bar, which has at least 240 calories at minimum, 30 grams of sugar, and a dozens of net carbs as well. It just is no comparison. Do yourself a favor. Get yourself some Bilt Bars so you can have that indulgent snack without actually being indulgent they got tons of great flavors for you as well. they got nut-free options for those of you who are uh, have allergies to nuts. And they also have keto-friendly. All of them are keto-friendly, I should say. So go and check them out. Go to built.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15, one Get 15% off your order. That's the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com
0: This is Jake from Locked On. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.
1: And we continue on here, your first listen of the day. Uh, Ran a little long in that first segment here. I'm hot, I'm hot, but let's let's turn our attention to something that's not so hot, Big V, and that is... bench last night a total of eight points from the one two three four five six six different players who got into the game including armani brooks making his triumphant debut on a 10 day uh to start the fourth quarter no less because (laughs) why not uh the only points on the night come from precious Dechua, who himself was a minus 28 i don't necessarily think that tells a whole big much of a big story about Precious's game. Honestly, he had some moments, he had some bad moments. That's typically the r- r- Precious that you a Roller Coaster you're riding. But you posed an interesting question before we hopped on air here, Big B, that I want to sort of entertain because you wanted to entertain it. And that is to do with the bench and the lack of options that are on it right now. The Raptors are like kind of they've bought in so hard to this everybody is six eight and can't shoot thing that they've left themselves with very little in the way of insurance when any of their shooters go down. And we're seeing that come to bear. And like the offense that they're playing is just grimy as hell. And, and I'm curious what you think about this because you posed the question, Vivek. Like, where do you think, it, like, is there blame to be laid at anybody's feet for what the bench looks like and, and the lack of options that have emerged from it? Is it fair to really say that? Because at full health, I mean, Malachi Flynn has kind of emerged lately. Chris Boucher has had himself a great season. Precious Achua has improved incrementally all season long. There have been success stories on the bench. They've just been thrust into starting duty quite often. Where are you at with the state of the bench and whether anyone is to blame for its, uh, I don't know, let's say lack of potency?
2: So I would probably start with the front office. I think when I look back on the 2020-21 season and some of the decisions that were made in building that roster i don't think they had the vision uh of basketball being played the way they see it now and right and so if they had that same vision i think certain decisions would have been made differently uh that would have maybe accelerated where this roster is right now uh and so that's where i'd start the other part of it is uh you know is nick nurse too harsh on the bench does he not give them enough run and so a part of me looks at malachi flynn and says it's it's easy to look now and say oh he got these opportunities and he made the most of it but Mm -hmm. then i also look back on some opportunities that he got earlier in the season and he didn't take advantage of them. yeah Uh, and so uh you know i I think of a stretch where in late november he got 12 minutes against Memphis, 14 minutes against Indiana, 15 minutes against Boston, 22 minutes against Memphis, Mm -hmm. and really did nothing. Yeah. Right? And so uh, he had a start against Philadelphia on December 28th, where he had six points on two of 12. So there were opportunities there, and he didn't take advantage of them. I think of someone like Utah Watanabe, who... Absolutely fits the mold of what this roster is trying to get uh from its players, but he hasn't taken advantage of the opportunity. And yeah. so I look down the line, Svima look, got a huge opportunity uh the first half of the season, right? He kept getting chance after chance after chance. Yeah. Um and then it, it obviously didn't work out. So I do think that these guys have gotten opportunities. I mean, Delano Banton, he caught fire right at the very beginning. And then obviously once he became a known commodity and uh, people knew that he couldn't really operate in the half court, then that became an issue. Um, And so I feel like Nick Nurse gives opportunities. Um, If there's maybe a criticism to be made uh, with regards to the bench development, it will probably be, you know, hey, do they stay in the doghouse for too long? Right. Right. Um, And could he be more flexible there? I think that is probably a valid criticism to be made. But I do think that for the most part, when I look at the last two seasons, opportunities have been given when they've been taken advantage of. He's been happy to ride them. (laughs) Right from the beginning, we saw that with Delano Banton. And when they haven't, guess what? You're going to the back of the line.
1: Yeah, I think I'm with you. I, I don't know. I think if there's a criticism of Nurse, it might be that he can't change his sort of like base instincts as a coach. Like he is always trying to play for the win in whatever game it's in. And that's a great thing to have. It's how you win a lot of regular season games. But he doesn't adapt to the personnel when his guys who kind of know the whole deal, know the scheme inside and out are not available. And then you have guys who are just thrust into it. And it's a lot to take on. So I wonder if those opportunities are harder to seize for guys like Utah or Malachi Flynn or whomever just because it's such a difficult sort of thing to jump into, right? Like the defense is very intricate. The offense even, you know, they don't run basic pick and roll, right? It's a lot of dribble handoff stuff, a lot of off-ball movement just because they have to try to grease the wheels any way they can. And it's a lot for a guy to step into and just kind of know all the spots to be immediately. So maybe that's the critique is that, He doesn't like pair things back when the personnel is not quite there. And I think that's a fair way to go. You know, as far as like the front offices rolling it. Yeah. I mean, I I think they've certainly undershot the uh, need for shooting quite a bit off the bench. It's difficult to find shooting. Obviously it's a, it's a premium commodity and everybody wants it and they have a pretty decent track record of being able to teach guys to shoot. So I don't blame them necessarily for thinking they could do that with some of these guys I also happen to think they might just be a little bit early in this sort of bench shadow core development phase, right? Like it it took some time for them to put together that really excellent bench. They ended up having a good bench for most of their, like the Kyle Lowry, DeMar DeRozan era because like the Rudy Gay trade populated a bench for them. They were able to kind of get by with, but like it didn't hold up against good teams at all. It wasn't until, you know, three, four years into the build that they had a bench that was like, oh, God, this is formidable, that's outscoring teams by, like, 10 points per 100 possessions when it's on the floor as a five-man look. Like, it takes time to build that up. And so I think there are pieces there to get excited about. Like, I think the Flynn-Precious combo as, like, a potential backbone of your second-unit lineups is pretty interesting. Um, you know, I think Thad Young fits into this somewhere, and I think you can stagger in your starters because you have five guys so you feel pretty good about staggering in. It's just I think they're a little bit early in the development stage. So it's a lot of different factors, as it turns out. No one's at <laughs> full blame. I think, you know, in some ways, the main guys being so good this season and putting things a little bit ahead of schedule left the front office in the lurch a little bit being like, oh, damn, we did not prepare for the need to have a bench this important because we didn't really think that we'd be in the ballpark of 40-plus wins and, you know, punching for a potential sixth seed. Maybe that has kind of revealed in the way they've built this team as well. But, you know, I, I do think that next season things project to be a little bit better and the year after that a little bit better as well. Like it, it's there's still guys on this team who are so young, who have so much growing to do. You know, we haven't even really seen Justin Champagny in months. <laughs> like he figures to be a part of it going forward, too. He's shown some flashes shooting, which is a thing they desperately need. You know, they'll. I, I do wonder if maybe in like their draft or undrafted free agent targets this year instead of going for the typical long limber dudes who don't shoot maybe they go for someone who's a little more of a proven shooter with nothing else to offer I don't know but what do you think of sort of the idea that you know this is just kind of part and parcel with being a building team and the fact that they're a little bit ahead of schedule with their main guys is kind of exposing this bench thing to be a problem when it really wasn't even supposed to be something that was worried about at the start of the season
2: I think the ahead of schedule thing is definitely valid. One of the things Bobby Webster talked about after the trade deadline was how that eight game win streak kind of hurt them a little bit because other yeah. teams, uh, you know, when they were shopping around Dragic and a first rounder, other teams were looking at that first rounder and kind of saying, "This isn't <laughs> what we thought it was." <laughs> yeah. Um, and and so you know if, if they were still you know a bit behind the eight ball in terms of winning then maybe you're able to get more value right and so uh, i i think that's fair um but still you know i i think in terms of their own expectations i would say they're right around where they themselves would have expected to be um and you know in when when that is the case if you expect it to be in the seven to ten range um maybe you didn't expect to, you know, be this well over 500. And maybe you Mm -hmm. thought, you know, you'd be flirting with that 500 mark, maybe a little bit below, but still in that seven to 10 range, maybe one thing you should have been more proactive about was trying to get that dragage deal in the summer. Right. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. uh, And so, uh, you know, the situation is what it is. Uh, You're here now. <laughs> there's no running away from it and so this is going to, what it all boils down to is this is a very important summer right because uh when you look at the contract extensions that have to be handed out uh in terms of the opportunities to expand this
1: roster's talent this summer is going to be very very important totally and look i think because of the emergence of Malachi Flynn if this can be a thing and actually sustain itself I think the bench question becomes a little bit easier to answer because he does solve a lot of the problems, right? He offers some shooting. He can be off ball if you want to have Scotty or Pascal kind of be your backup point guard. And he offers ball handling and creation in a way that very few Raptors bench players have all season long. And so I think you're seeing the pieces come together. It's just, again, it's hard to evaluate it at all when they are unhealthy and don't have the lineups that in theory would be the lineups they're rolling with. And I still maintain like the main five guys start them and like when they're fully healthy and then like Flynn with Utah and precious and fad and Boucher and then whatever starter you want to sprinkle in. I am fine with that kind of being the rotation going forward. Ken Birch looked pretty good last night, had himself a better game, I guess. I mean, not really. (laughs) He was a plus 20, but like, God, it's still rough. Uh, maybe he gets excised from things. We can revisit that another day, but um, yeah, that feels like a good place to leave off the bench talk. We've got a little bit long again, so we're going to come back to this side and quickly close things out with the dude of the game from Raptors Cavs. That's coming up in one sec, but first, want to tell you about our friends over at Bet Online. Uh, football might be over, but basketball is in full steam. You've got pro pro and college choop going really, really strong with March Madness just. Weeks away from all the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where the next coach who's fired is going to land. BetOnline.net is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. BetOnline remains the best spot for all your sports, scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds. Eventually, you'll get some baseball in there. You'll have some futures NFL bets. You can go and uh, look at overseas basketball and soccer if you want as well. No limit to the action. You can go and check out at BetOnline. Go check out their website today. Use your mobile device as well. And check out all the trends and action at BetOnline. It is where the game starts.
0: Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every
1: day. And we round out your first listen of the day here with the Dude of the Game, the way we close out every episode of Locked On Raptors after a Toronto Raptors game, giving some love to an unheralded or perhaps very heralded player uh, from the night before. Vivek, you're the guest. I'll turn it to you. Uh, Who do you got for the Dude of the Game? Uh, I'm putting you on the spot here. What you got?
2: Man, Dude of the Game... I am going to lean towards Chris Boucher.
1: I think that is the correct answer. What (laughs) did I
2: (laughs) do? Yeah, and you know, I think he's definitely someone who's trying to bring more offense to the table uh, Mm. with the bodies that are unavailable right now. You could see um, his aggression in the last game against the Magic, and uh, it's kind of carried over into this one. You hope that that three point shooting is coming through because obviously the Raptors right now need all the threes that they can get. Uh Uh, And so even if he can just knock down those corner threes uh, that he was getting the looks on, uh, that'll be a big boon. Um, Defensively, I I think, you know, there's a bit of a struggle right now and there's more lapses than you'd like to see, Uh, but offensively, you know, the Raptors definitely need him. Uh, and if he can uh, channel uh, the Chris Boucher we saw in Tampa I think that would help a lot
1: yeah they just need someone with uh some sort of unconscious energy to put up threes and hopefully hit them uh well he had three threes last night half of the Raptors total threes made which is sure something uh <laughs> boy oh boy just Rough stuff last night, man. Again, it, it, totally unrepresentative of what the team actually is. as a big-time bummer. But Chris Boucher is playing really well, man. I, I'm liking the way that, you know, he kind of felt like he went into a bit of a slump there. But the last few, it seems like he's kind of got it back a little bit, realized, okay, my role on this team is to be an energy chaos agent, and he's doing that quite well the offensive rebounding of course is always wonderful really like the early game offense for the Raptors against the Cavs was basically all right let's get some Chris Boucher offensive rebounds and go um which was great love to see it Uh, let me ask you because we have to continually always look forward here on the podcast where are you at right now in the whole re-sign Chris Boucher or not conundrum which the Raptors are going to come across this offseason not so far in the distant uh, not so far in the near future
2: I would probably lean towards re-signing him yeah uh, because well I think first of all it's because he hasn't played well enough to uh price himself out yeah Uh, and so uh, I think that would be the primary case and you know at the level that he'd probably be expected I think it'd be a fair contract for the Raptors to bring back um and again you know he, he's one of the few guys that you've come to depend off the bench right yeah and, and so if you can bring any one of those guys back you do it
1: yeah I think I'm there too like if you can get him for you know something similar to what he's making right now I, I think you're pretty happy with it I don't think he's played himself into a position where he's going to be earning a whole lot more than that um and, and so as a way to continue to fill out your bench that there's nothing wrong with bringing him back on a similar deal to do what he's done because he's completely changed himself as a player this season to the point where I actually think he can be a contributor to some winning basketball, which was not a thing I thought before, you know, the second month of this season. And that's been a great transformation for him. So shout out to Chris Boucher. Shout out to you, Big V, for coming to hang out on today's episode of the show. We will wrap it there. Uh, Any parting shots, any last words or anything you'd like to promote before we get out of here?
2: Um, one thing I would like to promote was a, a story I did on the Raptors sort of dealing with this crazy season and everything that's come their way. I spoke with uh, the Raptors director of wellness and development, Alex Auerbach. Awesome. Uh, and so the story is out and you can check out, you know, everything that kind of goes on. Uh, well, obviously not everything, because <laughs> some of that stuff got to stay private. But you know, some of the big picture uh, the things that Alex has in the therapy place. sessions, in it,
0: uh.
2: <laughs> uh, some of the big picture things, uh, structures that the Raptors try to have in place, uh, to help the players and the staff, uh, get through, uh, a crazy 82 game season
1: hell yeah everyone go check that out raptors.com uh you can find me of course on twitter at woodley sean where you can uh you know see all my dumb tweets you can also go follow the show on twitter at lockdown raptors and subscribe on all the podcast apps and on youtube it's all free to subscribe so please go ahead and do that we're giving you free stuff it's why would you not want free stuff is what i uh have to ask um also just a uh, quick note we didn't really talk about scotty barnes on today's episode which hey he was really good last night 19 12 6 with three steals 8 of 14 we love to see it but it's because i didn't want to spoil anything coming up on tomorrow's episode as mark schindler is going to stop by and we are going to evaluate the race for rookie of the year between evan mobley scotty barnes kate cunningham is he in there's franz wagner in there We're going to talk all about the Rookie of the Year race and the final stretch towards that award being decided on tomorrow's episode of the podcast. You have that to look forward to on Tuesday. Until then, thank you so much for tuning in and making us your first listen of the day. Go make your second listen Locked on NBA as they are covering every single night of action across the league wonderfully over on that podcast every single day. Night. So go and subscribe on all the podcast apps and on YouTube as well. And with that, we will talk to you again on Tuesday with another episode of Locked on Raptors. Bye bye. I just punched the mic. Ow. Ow.
2: Hey, Prime members.